0: All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, our text will begin in verse 3 tonight. John chapter 17 and verse 3. Now just uh, this morning was kind of like an introduction. And by that we're preaching from Isaiah chapter 53. I just wanted you to see the person of Jesus Christ in what he did for us and how he suffered and died for our sin and rose from the dead. But just what he went through there, I wanted to get that clear so that when we started into the message tonight, you could see the heart of Jesus in his prayer because he knew, excuse me, he knew everything that was going to happen. And he even understood what the pain of it would be and the greatest repulsion that he could have to have any kind of sin on him. And yet all my sin and all our sin was placed upon him. The most repulsive thing ever for him. And yet he voluntarily and in love bore it all for us. And so I wanted you to see that before we started looking at this prayer, because he's praying, knowing all of this is going to happen. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into the message here this evening. Father, I pray that you'll do what I cannot do, is just help each of us to see the heart of Jesus as in this chapter, this entire chapter. He's praying a prayer. A prayer from his heart. A prayer that includes all of us in praying for us with such compassion, such love. And so, Father, I pray that you would just bring it out. I know that my words will come short but I know thy Holy Spirit's words never come short. So Father, I pray, speak to each and every heart this night in Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right, as we said this morning, we were just trying to set this up uh, for tonight. And you know, as we look at this, uh, when I think of all my sin, all my sin that would be upon him I mean every bit of it was committed to him on his person that the wrath of God may be poured out upon it becoming sin for us sometimes we read that in 2 Corinthians 5 21 he became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him and that is so easy to miss that what he became for us he did not sin, he did not become a sinner but he took all my sin upon him, all of our sin upon him, that whosoever will could come to Jesus Christ someday in their lifetime, if we would share the gospel with them. I remember back several years ago here in our church, Brother Gary, as he would, uh, not near Ron, okay, uh, but uh, he, he would sing for us, Uh, when when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And I remember as Brother Llewellyn was singing that, it would always seem like, well, you know, that that is so good. It just kind of moved your heart. And yet on the other hand, you say, was I really on his mind? But when I see that all my sin was placed upon him, yes. Even before I was alive, each of us were on his mind. When he was on the cross, paying the penalty for each of our sins so that each of us, each of us, upon hearing the gospel, would have that opportunity to repent and believe the gospel to receive him. For whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. And he made that for us. And so he had us on, in his heart even that day on the cross that he suffered the, such cruel, cruel punishment and had his fathers outpoured wrath upon his human spirit. Far worse than the wrath and the pain that was placed on the body of Jesus by men. So verse 3 says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Now you think of that. This is his prayer. He knows what he's going to suffer. But already in this prayer, just at the third verse of it, he's already praying for us that speaks volumes of the love of God of both the Father and the Son for us knowing his person he died a horrible death and yet he paid in full our penalty his whole heart his whole heart in doing this, we're singing it already in the prayer, is for each of us to know him as Lord and Savior. Think of that. He went through all of that for me. Each of us can say that. He went through all of that for me. So that we could know him as Lord and Savior. Upon receiving him and giving our hearts and life to him. And by the way, let me add to that. I'm not adding to his word. I'm adding to my thoughts. He wants a very personal relationship with each of us. In other words, yes, I know him as Savior. Yes, I know he's the Lord and God. Yes, I gave him my life. But do you really know his person? He wants that personal relationship with each of us as Christians. Some of us have an idea today of, well, uh, what is God like? And we form in our minds things about him. And the problem is, so often we're forming the thoughts in our mind instead of allowing the Lord through his word to speak to us and show us his person. That's why the daily reading of God's Word and meditating upon it is so vitally important to each of us. Because it helps us to know in the works of God, the very person of God. And the goal is for each believer to know the Father and His Son more intimately. The person of Christ and the Father. More intimately than the person that you know and love the most upon this earth, you can know the only Lord and God and His Son, Jesus Christ, whom the Father in love sent to redeem us. Redeem to buy back. That's why, again, Isaiah 53, it shows the cost to buy us back. That cost, though it made Jesus Christ sweat huge drops, so huge and thick they were as if they were blood. But they were shed, knowing what he's facing, but driven in an intimate love for your heart and soul. How can we not give our all to him? To seek to know his very person, even more than you would know your spouse, your children, even more than you would know your inner self. We need to ask ourselves, how much of our knowledge of His person, how much of that knowledge is growing in the knowledge of God each and every day? Oh, I would love to be able to stand up here and testify to each of you that My knowledge of God and His person has grown each and every day, but it hasn't each and every day at my fault, not His, because He wants me to know Him more intimately. But my heart, my mind, I have to seek it and and meditate on His Word and see His person in the Word. His person growing each day in my understanding. By that I mean even within my inner self. And we need to ask ourselves how much our knowledge of his person is actually growing. Has it grown this day? Does it grow each day? Does it grow at least each week? Does it grow more through the month? Or do we just don't get to know him that deeply? Realize, I believe this, that I, I don't believe that in this lifetime I'll fully know the very entire person of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I think I will learn that all in heaven. But I do know there is so much more to learn of him and he wants us to know. Why? Is he stuck up? Is he just really on a hunt to be most popular? No. He wants you to love him as he loves you. And I feel that that's probably impossible for us to love him as much as he loves us. Oh, the knowledge of his person is growing each day. At least it should be. How much has it grown since we were saved? God wants us to know him so intimately than we do now. So much more intimately. That is so personal. As seen in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. Where he says that his word is preserved from this generation. That's talking back in Hebrews, I mean in Psalms chapter 12. That's talking about in David's day. He says that his word is preserved from this generation. You don't have generations in heaven. Angels don't reproduce. When we get caught up to heaven, we don't reproduce. Listen, regeneration takes place on earth. And yet, the word of God, all the way back then, preserved from this generation forever. Oh, men try to say there are mistakes in the Bible. They say, well, we've lost part of the Bible. Oh, we don't have the complete Bible. Then they've just called God an absolute liar because that means that God told an absolute lie if he has not preserved his word. You can trust your King James Bible because it's preserved by God. Man does his work at the best he can do to preserve it. When I think of those men who were in caves making copies of the word of God, going through it by hand. Not, not with typewriters or anything. They didn't have those in those days. And as they sat in those caves by candlelight, writing, copying word for word, actual text. And then after they copied it, they would go back and come to the middle word of it. And if it was wrong, they would do away with it. And understand, they were writing on the parchments, not on paper like you and I. They didn't have a typewriter like you and I where they could just put an erase button and then go ahead and change the word and make it right. They didn't have that. They checked each other's words. God preserved it. He used men to preserve it. And for people to say that it's not preserved, is to call almighty God a big, fat liar. And I would hate to be in their shoes when they stand before God. Oh, we need to know him so much more intimately than we do now, which is the reason that we have this word of God Preserved because it's through the word of God we get to know him. that is why it's so important that we have a daily time in the word of God. It must be daily. Our prayer and praise of him need this knowledge of the father and the son to praise him. Just to praise him for who he is. We ought in our prayers because it is essential, I believe knowing his person to each time we pray. That's specific time. It may be in the morning. It may be in the evening before you go to bed. It may be some time during the day where you have a specific time set aside that you really pray to God and talk to him and him alone. If you don't have that time, get it started. But that prayer in your petitions, in your prayers of asking direction, your prayers and praying for the healing of others, your prayers and praying for wisdom, be sure to praise his great and holy name, to know his person. So how close and how much closer is my relationship with Jesus Christ? And how much closer could it be and should it be? How much more intimately should I want to know his person? That person who bought me with his own blood and gave me life eternal. And he wants me to know him so much more intimately. The heart of the Father and the Son I'll realize those very things, the very first moment I'm in heaven. I'll realize how much more I could have done in those very first few moments. It's knowing his person. That's why we shared with you, as as I said, Isaiah 53 a man that could have come off the cross at any time. But in his love for you and me, he stayed right there. Do you know his person? Now I know it's a illustration that any one of us could think of just sitting where you are. All you married people, when you got married, you thought you knew that person. You found out in the first 30 days, you didn't know them at all. And then as time goes on, you learn, don't say that. Don't even have to think, would she like this or not like this? Would he like this, or not like that? You already know not what to say. You know what they would appreciate. Why? Because you know them. You've grown to know them. And where is, as in the first of your relationship, it might upset you about this. You know, sometimes you see Christians, uh, when they're first and all that, uh, what do you mean? Don't drink. What do you mean? Uh, don't go to the movie. Uh, what, what do you mean? Uh, don't do, go here. Don't do this. Don't do that. What do you mean by that? Well, that's where you come to know the person of Christ. And no, God is holy. The highest it is stated of so many of the virtues of God is his holiness. Although I think all his virtu- virtues are just as high as can be, far beyond our understanding in this mortal flesh. But God is all holy and will never change. He tells us he never changes. Don't even pray for him to change. That's like cussing him out. Don't pray for him to change. He's not going to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And that's great because God is love. And he's all holy. No one's ever been hurt by the love of God. Oh, their desires for the flesh does get hurt as far as they're concerned. But they're not truly hurt. It's just their pride is hurt that needs to be hurt. But the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It reaches far beyond the highest star and reaches down to the lowest hill. Oh my Jesus. How much I didn't know of the wonder of his sons and really of the Lord, the Father and the Son's grace and love. Although he knew my thoughts apart of off. He knew my sins afar off. And though those thoughts, evil, selfish, and what have you, in that shed blood and in repentance and faith and coming to him, he remembers them no more. And so we see in his prayers, it continues in verse 4. I have glorified Thee on the earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. None of us have been given the work that Christ was given to do, even before the cross. In heaven, there were martyrs. Already there from the days of the Old Testament. Today there are more martyrs there. Martyrs. For the faith. But every one of those martyrs will testify in absolute truth. Oh, what they suffered. But the praise. Is through their death. They glorified and praised him in the fires. They glorified him in the fires and finished the work God gave them to do. Knowing what Jesus did for us, let alone what they suffered. How can we give up? Why would we give up? Well, I want to enjoy this life. Hey. Hey. And what do we mean by, I want to enjoy this life? Because you know what that phrase means? You may not understand what it means. Wanting to enjoy this life means I'm wanting to really please my flesh. And wanting to please your flesh. You'll stand before God, you're saved, you know that. You'll stand before Him at the judgment seat of Christ. Not the white throne where the lost go, but the judgment seat of Christ where the saved go. The Bible says the hidden things of darkness will be revealed. You got by with it with some people. There are some people you need to make things right with. There are some people you need to tell the truth to, but it never happened. But it will be revealed. It'll be revealed because you didn't make it right. It'll be revealed If you've got children there, they're going to see it. They're going to hear it. They're going to know it because you wouldn't make it right with the people you needed to make it right with. You need never. You held truth that should have never been held uh, uh, hidden, and because of that, oh, the shame! That's why the Bible tells us in First John two twenty eight: Some are going to be ashamed at His appearing. They're saved. Some will have confidence. But First John two twenty eight tells us: Some will be ashamed at His appearing. Oh, then we'll know because you'll see the rewards that God had planned for your life. The will that he has for your life. If you don't know the will of God, seek it until you know it. His will is in his word. There are certain things you do know. For example, tonight is what they call the Super Bowl night. People are paying thousands of dollars to go. Companies are paying millions of dollars just to advertise. Advertise. And Christians are staying home to watch it to lose their reward, eternal reward. But I'm a good Christian. The word for that is baloney. You can think that, but you see, when the Bible says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the matter of some is, you see, it says that in Hebrews chapter ten, verse twenty-four. He says not as a matter of some is. Why? They were having a problem in that day too. And God gives that command to the pen of the Apostle Paul. So how can we give up? Why would we give up without living in true faith? By faith. Why not? Why not? Seek him with your whole heart. We should not want any of you. Any of us to come short. Of the glory of God. To come short. Of what he wanted us to have. Loss of reward in heaven. Will be. A terrible testimony on each of us that lose reward. That's why the Bible says, you know, a lot of people read Revelation says that he shall wipe all tears from our eyes. What they forget is Revelation just doesn't say it once. You read it again. Then you read it again in the book of Revelation. I believe that after that judgment seat of Christ. And then there's the white throne judgment. I believe that we will see people that we should have witnessed to, we did witness to, or we'll see people that saw our testimony and didn't want to have anything to do with what we have. I believe that we'll see them cast into the lake of fire with them looking at us with a, why? Why didn't you tell me? You'll see people that got mad at the, Standards, they got mad at this, they got mad at that. They went around and gossiped to their fellow uh, friends and, and, and workers and all that and just really ran it down. They ran people down and had no idea that they were, they were erasing reward, eternal reward, and been just only saved so as by fire, the Bible says. Christ endured in this life while Satan and the hordes of hell attacked him more than they ever attacked us. Trying to destroy the work the Father gave the Son to do. Yes, they wanted to stop him. But they can't. But too often, he stops us. He stops us from witnessing. He stops us from serving God. And then the devil, working in our heart and life, and understand, if you stop serving God, you start, stop being faithful. Just understand, it wasn't because of a preacher. It wasn't because of another Christian. You make the decision on yourself, your own self. You make the decision to Serve God or not serve Him. Just like you make a decision to get saved or not get saved. You can blame people. But God didn't say, if people treat you wrongly, then you're not, then it's all right, I'll save you. No, He didn't say anything about that at all. He didn't say, well, you'll have a great reward if if people don't bother you. No. We are to endure for Jesus Christ, and he left us an example of enduring, serving God, witnessing, not quitting. And by the way, you started out, you started out on the right foot, you started out in the right direction, but somewhere along the line, you quit. And it's easy to blame others for quitting. You did not endure. And you quit. You don't endure under trial. You don't endure under the problems and and the sufferings and the personal attacks that may come along. Then my friend, you have absolutely no idea of the love of God for you. And his desire to use you. Hey, we've all had that fight, haven't we? Oh, but the love of God, that is in the heart of Jesus Christ, should never, never, never be put aside, never put it aside to satisfy your feelings. And to try to justify our failures. Let's make a life commitment. To glorify him on earth. Through following his will. Living obediently. Living holily. As Romans 12, 1 and 2 says. I beseech you. I strongly urge you. Is what that word means. I beseech. I strongly urge you. To present your bodies. (laughs) Not just. Well inside me I am that way. No. Let your body show that you're that way. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. You see, so many people, well, those Christians have dress standards. Yeah, and you won't do it. Why? Because your love for God is so sickening and so down and so poor that you will not uh, take that on and present your bodies a living sacrifice. To be holy and acceptable unto him, which is your what service, reasonable service. And do you realize that that word service in there comes to a Greek word that has the idea within it of worship? Do you realize that in your separation from the worldliness and sin and how your body is really dressed and how you present yourself in speech, in dress, do you realize That in that way, as what people will see, is a way of worshiping and magnifying our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's our reasonable service to worship him that way. He is God. And he's the lover of our souls. And so again, finish what he has given us to do. That's what we each need to do. That is love him. Did you have a fall? I think each of us have had a fall somewhere along the line, haven't we? But a righteous man falling seven times gets up again. Have you ever heard Christians say, well, yeah, there they go again. They went out and did that. Okay, now they've gotten everything straight, but look at them. They've done it again. Yeah, I just know you just can't trust that person. Yeah, and you're just doing it again. You're saying the sin that what he says about what people do like that. Instead of trying to lift the person up, they're cutting them down. They're falling. Now they want to kick them while they're down. Instead of helping them to get up and get right. And so the idea then is a righteous man falling seven times. Gets back up. Gets back on the right road. Robed. You fall off. It's just like the old saying they say, if you fall off the horse, get back on. It's time to get back on. That is impossible for me to do. You say, what is impossible for you to do, to get up and get off, back on? No. The thing I'm talking about now, and I've said it before, there is a command in the Bible that I believe is totally impossible to do. But I must still try to do it. I don't think that in this flesh any of us can do it. But it's still a command. You say, what in the world is that command that none of us can do? Well, it's found in the 39th Psalm, verse 2. It says, it gives a command. It's in a command form. In the first half of that verse, as I said, I think it's well nigh impossible to do it. But give to the Lord the glory that's due his name. I don't think, I, I don't think we can do it. Well, the only way we can do it is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And given him the glory, letting the Spirit lead us all the way in giving the glory. But I know that in this flesh, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us, we cannot give the glory due to his name. Yes, it's good to glorify his name. It's good to praise the Lord. It's good to get in prayer and sing his praises and speak his praises to him and thank him for his greatness, his person, and who he is. But the glory that's due his name. I wonder if any of us could give the glory that's due his name. Walking in this flesh, I'm not sure how much glory I've been able to give to him. But regardless, we should try, while remembering the rest of that verse, Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. That's getting on the right track. If you want to give the Lord the glory, do His name. Get on the right track. Worship Him in the beauty of holiness. You say, well, how is that beauty? When you get to heaven and you see the all-holy Father and Son and the Holy Spirit's there, people that have been redeemed from ages past, you see the holiness of that place. You won't even have to ask that question again. Oh, the beauty of the holiness of God. Oh, we should live, we should live, we should live to accomplish in our lifetime, to do all we can to bring glory to our all holy God. You know, I see sometimes, that uh, I hear, I don't really see it. I'm in Sunday school myself, so I don't see it. But sometimes people miss Sunday school. I see it only on the records. I don't see your names on the records. I just see how much that class had last week and how much they had the next week. And some aren't in Sunday school, and they may have jobs, and I understand that. But they get here late. Others get here late, and they just say, well, you know, it's, we've got children to get up and get ready. Man, what do you tell your bosses at work? Sunday school starts a lot later than they do, for example, your kids at school. So how in the world, if you've got to have your children up earlier to get them dressed and get them ready for work, how, why in the world is it different on Sunday? Well, you see, we're up late Saturday night. What's keeping you up late Saturday night? Is it more important than God and his house? Well, you don't know. That's just the only time we have to get together and fellowship as a family. Boy, the baloney's getting deeper as we go along, isn't it? You know better than that. You know better than that. You know much better than that. And we expect God to accept excuses that your boss at work would not excuse. Why? Do you think God is stupid? you think He's dumb? He knows your heart. And he knows where your heart is set. And obviously it's not set on the Lord when we get to that point. Where it doesn't matter to us if we're late. It doesn't matter to us if we're not singing or we're not a part of the services or we're just there, we come there just to say that we were there. He knows. You see, He knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You know, we talk about revival. I think the first thing we need is for the Lord to vibe us before he can revive us. I think we need vibing every day in our life. A desire to fulfill the love and call that he has for us. Do we realize America? cannot have an evangelistic revival. It cannot have an evangelistic revival if Christians do not have a revival of rededication of their hearts and lives and being faithful to God, seeking to know His person, who He is. The Father gave His Son a work to do on earth. And he glorified God before all. What's the work he's given us? You see, the love of this chapter of his prayer life, we need in our heart. We need the love of God to be much greater than the love of the world, love of acceptance by the world. And the love of fulfilling our own desires. More so than the will of God. I'll close with this night tonight. I've said it before and probably before I finish this series on John 17. I'll say it again. And I'll probably say it again. And again. I kind of hope I don't stop saying it. But Jesus is the sweetest name I know. He's the sweetest name on mortal tongue, the sweetest cow ever sung. Jesus, blessed Jesus. No wonder the apostle, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit, would write such words as Oh, it's going to, the destruction and the evil that's going to happen on this earth. But Jesus is coming. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Do you think, looking at America with the wokeness, the rock and roll churches, the worldly people calling themselves Christians, taking the Bible out, trying to change it and everything else. Do you think that we're less evil than those days? Oh, may we pray and sing. Come quickly. Oh, Lord. Come quickly. But it's kind of hard to pray that way if we're not walking with God. And if we know that if I was taken out Today. Oh, how ashamed I would be before him as a Christian. And yet, tonight is opportunity night to get it right with God, and particularly in that you're in his house. Let's bow our heads, please. Lord Jesus, we do love you. Oh, Father, thank you for sending your son. And not only that, after receiving him, giving us your Holy Spirit to guide us and giving and preserving this word to guide us and lead us throughout this life on earth as we read and obey and attend to it. Lord God, I stand here not as a preacher that's the example for everybody to follow the perfect example. I am not. But you gave us Jesus as our example and I thank you for that but help us all to grow to know him so more so much more personally in Jesus Christ's name amen